Good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see you guys today. I hope you're doing well, and I hope you're ready to jump into this morning's sermon. Uh, As we've gone through this family series, I've really enjoyed hearing from people who are making some changes in their homes and taking steps to build stronger families. And uh, to be honest, I've, I've made a few changes in my own life. Uh, for example, over the past seven days, I have not left any dirty clothes lying around. So, yeah, I'm, that's, that's kind of a low bar, but yeah. <laughs> I do think, you know, little steps like that make your marriage just a little stronger. And I really have appreciated this family series And uh, I've especially looked forward to this morning's sermon. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about parenting. And like last week, I want to acknowledge the fact that some of you may not be super excited about this message. Um, Maybe your kids aren't at home anymore. Uh, They're already gone, and and this doesn't feel that relevant. Uh, Maybe you wanted to have kids, and it hasn't happened. Maybe you are a kid, (laughs) Uh, But like I said last week, I'm confident that no matter who you are, God has something to say to you today. So uh, even if you aren't raising kids right now, I I hope you'll lean in on this because you do have young people in your life, most likely. And that means you can still invest in the next generation. You can still point them to Jesus. And that's so important. This mission is crucial and it's urgent. As a parent myself, I'm very aware of that urgency because our kids are growing up very fast. It's kind of crazy. As of this week, I've been at Plum Creek exactly 12 years, which is hard for me to believe. Uh, But over the past 12 years, uh, my family has changed a lot. Uh, our, uh, Our family, we have three kids, Luke, Kenna, and Leah Claire, And when we got to Plum Creek, we only had two kids. Uh, Leah Claire came along about a year later. And uh, this week, I I found three photos that show our kids growing up over the past 12 years. So 2012, uh, there, Luke is three there, Kenna is one, and Leah Claire is probably just a few days old. Then 2017, Luke is eight, Kenna is six. And I think Leah Claire was five there. And then I took that last picture on Wednesday. They're 14, 12, and 10. And, uh, you know, I can't leave that slide up very long because I don't want to get emotional in front of you guys. (laughs) It's just crazy to see how fast that happens. All that to say, though, for, for all of us raising kids right now, this window is very short. We've got a limited amount of time to do this job, and we really need to do it well. And the good news is, the Bible has a lot of help for parents. God has exactly what we need to know, and he tells us what we need to know in his word. He has wisdom for us right here. For example, you could look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. This is a great verse. It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, this verse is addressed specifically to fathers, but it certainly applies to mothers as well. And it's got two separate instructions, right? First, we're told what not to do. Do not exasperate your children. And what could that mean, that word exasperate? Well, it could mean several things. 
now, in a healthy parent-child relationship, your, your child does get frustrated with you. That, that's, that goes with the territory. But to exasperate your child, that's unhealthy. Uh, maybe that's a dad who is overbearing or too demanding. Uh, maybe it's a, a mom who has impossible expectations for her child. Or it could be a parent who's too lenient, not doing much in the way of discipline, which is harmful. But then you can also exasperate your child by being absent. There are just many ways to get off track here. And that's the negative side of this verse, but look at the positive side. We're told what we should do. Bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And what does that mean? Well, it's about coaching and teaching, right? It's about mentoring our kids to be who God has called them to be. And, and this coaching and teaching has to be more than words. We, we need to be a good example. We need to teach our kids by the way we live. And we need to stop for a second here because so far we've only read one verse. And some of us may already feel overwhelmed because parenting is such a huge challenge. And there are days when we just don't feel up to the task but before we move on, I want to be clear, there are no perfect parents, and that's okay. We all get it wrong now and then. And I can share lots of stories about my own failures as a dad. Uh, this week, I asked the girls if they could remember a time when I lost my temper. And right away, they brought up the cereal bowl incident. Now, this is a few years ago, but one day at breakfast, Kenna did something to make me very angry. I don't remember what she did. Nobody else remembers what she did, but we all remember what I did. I took her cereal bowl, it was plastic, and I just slammed it down on the table upside down. Cereal went everywhere, and the kids just looked at me with these big eyes, mouths open. They hadn't seen that side of me very often, and I sincerely regret doing that. Sometimes you just have to apologize and move on. Unfortunately, I don't think the kids were too scarred because these days they really enjoy telling that story. But the point is that we can't put too much pressure on ourselves. Uh, whenever I start to feel that pressure, I try to remember that my kids aren't really my kids. They belong to God, and he loves them far more than I ever could. Now, that means some of us need to relax and realize this, this task is not completely on our shoulders. We can't carry the ultimate responsibility for the way our kids turn out. At the same time, though, God has given us a very significant role. He uh, calls us to influence our children toward him. So today, I, I want to look at a few foundational steps that can help us be more intentional as parents and I've got three main steps that we can take, and I'll throw in one bonus step at the end. Okay, let's, let's look at these. Step number one for intentional parents is to get the right goal. Because every child is heading for some kind of destination. The question is, are we as parents leading them to the right destination? What kind of adults do we want our kids to become? You know, when, when you know what you're aiming for, that helps you know how to train your child today. Sometimes we, we talk about this goal in general terms, like one I've heard before. We just want to raise great kids. And 
What do you think? Is that the right goal? Is that a good destination? Well, if you ask me, I'd have to say, maybe. Uh, It just depends on what you mean by the word great. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's a story about a mother who wanted to raise great kids. She wanted great things for her sons. Now, this is the mother of James and John, two of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Now, James and John were especially close to Jesus. They were part of his inner circle. But for their mom, that wasn't enough. She wanted more. So in Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 20, we read this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, she came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, in a way, you can sympathize with with this mom. She just wants great things for her kids, right? On the other hand, though, this request is pretty audacious. She's like, okay, Jesus, if you don't mind, I want my boys to have the number one and the number two spots in your kingdom. Man. Now, at that time, most of the disciples thought that Jesus was going to establish an earthly kingdom. They they didn't understand that his kingdom was not of this world. So the disciples had visions of political power, visions of greatness. And that's what James and John wanted for themselves. That's what their mom wanted, too. Now, before we read on, I want to think about this in our context today. If we say, I want to raise great kids, what could that possibly mean? What could it look like? Well, sometimes greatness is about success. Sometimes it's about wealth or fame. Sometimes it's about just achieving great things. Last Sunday, uh, my favorite NFL team accomplished something that was truly great. Now, I want you to know, first, I am a Bengals fan. Uh, That's something that's developed over the past 12 years. However, in my younger days, uh, when I was growing up in Florida, my first favorite team was the Miami Dolphins. Now, this is back in the days when Dan Marino was the quarterback, and back then they were such a fun team to watch. But these days, uh, the Dolphins have another great quarterback. His name is Tua Tangavailoa. <laughs> I honestly practiced about a hundred times to say his name this week. It, it's tough. But uh, just a little background. Tua grew up in Hawaii, and early on it was very clear that he had an amazing talent as a, as a quarterback. In college, Tua played for Alabama, and in 2018, uh, in the national championship game, he led the Crimson Tide to this uh, dramatic comeback victory against Georgia. And in 2020, Tua was drafted by the Dolphins. And since that time, he's really exceeded expectations as an NFL quarterback. Now, in December of last year, Tua had a scary concussion, but he's come back stronger than ever. So then last week, seven days ago, Tua led the Dolphins to defeat the Denver Broncos by a score of 70 to 20. 70 points. That's the most points scored by an NFL team since 1966. It's an amazing accomplishment, a great achievement. Now, as of last week, I I didn't know much about 
Tua Tangavailoa's parents. Uh, so I, I, I got to thinking about that. I was like, man, whoever they are, they have to be really proud of him. Now, like I said, we all want great things for our kids. But let's get back to James and John and their mother. After that audacious request, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And right there, he's talking about his coming arrest, his beatings, his death on the cross. And they said, we can. But Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Now, this, this is understandable. The disciples were not happy with James and John and also their mother. Uh, they all wanted those top positions, all the disciples. But Jesus set them straight. He said, listen, guys. For the near future, none of you are in line for a promotion. You're all in line for persecution. Things are about to get rough, but Jesus would give them an opportunity for greatness. It would just be a different kind of greatness. Check out what Jesus says in verse 25. He called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now right here we see that Jesus is king of an upside-down kingdom. He's like, hey, if if you want to be great in my kingdom, don't come looking for power or fame or fortune. Instead, you follow my example. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, what did Jesus mean by the word ransom? Well, in the original Greek, a ransom is the price that you pay to release a prisoner or to free a slave. And in the case of Jesus, he paid a ransom when he willingly sacrificed his life on the cross. He died to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay for our sins. That was a ransom payment. And with his sacrifice, Jesus gave us the chance to have true freedom. And he offered us forgiveness and eternal life. And with that gift, he became the ultimate servant. So today for us and for our kids, the path to true greatness is the path of a servant. Serve God first and serve others second. And that brings me back to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. This week, I learned about Tua's faith A couple weeks ago, a reporter interviewed him after the Dolphins beat the Los Angeles Chargers. And the reporter said, what was going through your mind when the Chargers were driving down the field? And I I love this. Tua just ignored that question at first. And, And this is what he said. First and foremost, I'd just like to give all the glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when I heard that, I was really impressed. So I I did some research. 
Sometimes I hesitate to bring up big names like this because from a distance, it's hard to know someone's heart. But best as I can tell, Tua has a genuine faith in Christ. He talks about that faith a lot. He makes it clear that his number one priority is serving God. He also makes it a priority to serve others. Uh, Tua set up a foundation that raises money for different charities. And just a few weeks ago, he raised over $100,000 for the victims of those terrible fires in Hawaii. But then again, I thought about Tua's parents. He's achieved greatness in football, which is something any parent would be proud of. But what do his parents think about his desire to serve God? Well, I did some more research, and I found out Tua's parents are also Christians. And from the beginning, they were very intentional about raising their kids to know and follow Jesus. I want you to listen to this quote from Tua's mom, Diane. She said, there's a song our family loves that's called Jesus at the Center. And that's basically what what we wanted our kids to envision. Put Jesus at the center and everything else around it. Football, family, friends, school, whatever it may be, Jesus is placed in the center of all of it. You hear that? Uh, These parents had a very clear goal, and they led their kids in that direction. Uh, one, One day, one of Diane's co-workers came to her and asked, what's the secret to raising such respectful and honorable kids? And Diane said, there's no secret. It's the word meaning the Word of God. And she said, it didn't happen just overnight. It happened because of a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of prayers, not only from us as his parents, but from our parents and their parents. A lot of prayer warriors out there intercede and pray for us. That's amazing. I I love the focus and the commitment there. And I love that team mindset too. Now, to his dad, Nalu, is also crystal clear about the true meaning of greatness. Check it out. Nalu said, football is not everything. It's part of what the mission is. The mission is the platform to praise our Lord and Savior. And what Tua has done or is doing is nothing compared to the real reason why we are here. Now, I don't know about you, but I am really challenged and inspired by this family. I'm inspired to focus on the right goal and then keep coaching and training my kids to move in that direction. Now, one way to clarify the goal in your family is to write out a vision statement. A vision statement is a clear picture of the future that you hope to see. Uh, A lot of organizations have a vision statement, but how about families? Have you ever thought about this? A few years ago, I heard a great family vision statement from a minister named Tim Lucas. And he and his wife worked on this statement together, and here's what they came up with. We want our kids to grow up to be responsible, kind, compassionate adults who love Christ, share God's heart for the world, and use their gifts to serve others. And then we want to be friends. (laughs) And I love that. And do you notice what's not in that statement? Doesn't say anything about being valedictorian. Doesn't say anything about getting a great scholarship or a high-paying job or buying a nice house. I mean, it doesn't even say anything like, I want our kids to be happy. 
And of course, nothing wrong with any of those things, but we have to be careful. We can't let secondary things become primary things. God has a higher calling for each one of us. So let's be clear about our mission. Let's know exactly what we're aiming for. Now, with our three kids, uh, Hannah and I, we have a pretty good idea of our main goal, but I really like this idea of writing out an official vision statement. So we've been thinking about this. We haven't finalized the wording, but here are some thoughts that we agree on. Uh, We want our kids to know that they are loved and valued by us and by God. We want our kids to love Jesus and follow him closely. We want our kids to serve God and serve others for the rest of their lives. And we're going to keep working on that vision statement. Uh, But that's the first step. Get the right goal. And once we have that figured out, we need to start guiding our kids toward that goal. And of course, this guidance changes. It takes different forms as your children grow up. But in a way, it doesn't matter how old your kids are. Uh, Parents always have a role to play, even if they're out of your home at this point. An author named Bob Hostetler describes four different stages of parenting. In the first stage, you're kind of the commander. Now, this is from birth until about age five. And during these years, you you basically control your child. You decide what they eat. You decide when they go to bed. You decide what messages they will hear. And a good parent in this first stage is, is kind of a benevolent dictator, But as the years go by, uh, you want to help your kids transition from parent-based discipline to self-discipline. And so that's why in the next phase, you you become a coach. So this is from age 6, roughly, to about age 12. Now, in this stage, you're still telling them what to do, but you're also teaching them to make their own decisions. Now, that second stage lasts until about their teenage years, and that's when you become more of a counselor. And this stage often comes as a shock, because one day you wake up and you find out that you are not really the driving influence in your kids' lives anymore. They're getting closer and closer to independence, and your job is to prepare them for that freedom. But then finally, in the last stage, they're on their own. And, you know, if you have a solid relationship with your adult children, uh, they'll look to you as a consultant. And no, that doesn't always happen. If that's uh, not the kind of relationship you have, uh, man, pray for your kids. But these are the four stages. And and like I said, uh, parents, uh, we have roles to play in each of these stages. But for the rest of our time here, I want to focus on those of you who still have kids at home. When you are in the trenches, what are some practical ways that you can bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord? Well, I'll go ahead and give you the next two steps for intentional parenting. Step two, parent with truth. Step three, parent with grace. Three weeks ago, we talked about how important it is to build your home on a strong foundation. Not a foundation of sand, but a foundation of rock And as we looked at Scripture, we saw two things that we need to do. First, build your home on the teachings of Christ. Second, build your home on the gospel of Christ. 
And those instructions match up perfectly with these two parenting strategies. Uh, Parenting with truth is about training your kids to follow the teachings of Jesus. Parenting with grace is about building your home on the gospel of Christ. So let's look at these one at a time. First, what does it look like to parent with truth? Well, we actually have a great picture of this back in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, in this passage, uh, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking on God's behalf. And Moses passes on a very important message from God. In this message, God commands Israel to pass down their faith to the next generation. This is an amazing passage. Uh, Read along with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 4. It says, Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, so what do we see here? We can divide these instructions into two sections. In the first section, God commands us to devote ourselves completely to him. In the second section, God commands us to speak truth into the lives of our children. And when are we supposed to do that? It's supposed to happen all the time, right? We constantly look for opportunities to share God's word all throughout the day. We intentionally weave it into the fabric of everyday life, which means in our families today, our kids need to hear God's truth a lot more than a couple hours a week at church. That's not enough. That's not nearly enough because every single day, Our kids are bombarded with messages coming in from every direction. And many of those messages are directly opposed to God's word. We can't let the truth get drowned out by the lies. And that happens far too often. Now, if this sounds overwhelming to you, and it very well could, I have some resources that can help you. And and I'll tell you about those resources at the end of the sermon. Okay, so parent with truth. That is vital. What about this next step? Parent with grace. What does that mean? Well, we also talked about this a few weeks ago. What's the difference between the teachings of Christ and the gospel of Christ? Well, when we try to follow the teachings of Christ, we're trying to live up to God's perfect standard. And as we know, Nobody comes close to reaching God's perfect standard, not parents, not kids, not any of us. We need the gospel. And what is the gospel of Christ? The gospel is the good news about Jesus. It's the good news that even though we all deserve judgment and condemnation, God has offered us forgiveness and acceptance through Christ. So when you parent with grace... You offer your kids that same forgiveness and acceptance, even when they don't deserve it. Grace means we love without limits. But let's not get confused here. Uh, Grace does not mean that we go soft on discipline. Uh, Listen to this verse from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. 
Do not be a willing party to their death. Yikes. <laughs> that is serious. Now, this is an Old Testament verse. It was written before Jesus, but there is nothing in this verse that uh, goes against the gospel. Uh, it totally applies today. Because overly permissive parenting, uh, that does not honor God, and it's destructive to our children. In fact, when discipline is done right, it's one of the best ways that we can love our children. Unfortunately, though, it's not easy to get discipline right. You know, how well we do kind of depends on the day. If we're in a bad mood, we might be too harsh in our discipline. If we're tired, we might be too lenient because it just takes energy. And then on some days, we just throw up our hands because we don't know what to do. And because of that, I have one bonus step to share with you. Parent with support. Don't try to do this alone. Uh, find parents who are in the same stage as you, other commanders or coaches or counselors, but also find uh, parents who are a stage or two ahead of you. Man, those, those consultants have a lot of wisdom to share. And this is one of the great things about the church. It goes back to what we said in the first week of this series. God designed the church to be a spiritual family. And as a spiritual family, we need to learn from each other and support each other. Uh, we need to work together to bring up the next generation to know and follow Jesus. I want to share uh, just a couple conversations I had this week. One of them made me really sad, and one of them made me happy. I uh, talked to a high school girl a few days ago, and she does not go to our church but she was talking about her family. She made a decision for Christ this year. She was baptized back in the summer, and uh, her family was going to church with her for a while. But lately, she's been going to church by herself, sitting in a row all by herself. And she hates that. She said, our family's priorities are just messed up. She said, we've bounced around from church to church. Sometimes uh, my parents go, a lot of times they don't go, and she's alone. And, and this has to be a situation where we work together, parents and the church working together to bring up our kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. That conversation made me sad. But another one was a lot more encouraging. I spoke with a dad who is from our church, and he told me how important it's been for their teenage kids to be part of our student ministry. This dad and his wife are raising their kids to know and follow Jesus, but we all need backup. And the dad said, our student ministry leaders and volunteers are providing that backup. They're providing another voice that reinforces what the kids are already learning at home. It means so much to have that support. And by the way, if you have a middle school or high school student who has not been coming to youth group on Sunday nights, man, I, I really encourage you, get them here tonight, 5.30 to 7.30. They will have a blast. My kids do. Uh, they'll learn a lot. And you'll also get that extra level of support. Now, before we're done here, I need to uh, share this week's family challenge. It's something we've already talked about. If you're a parent with kids at home, write a vision statement for your family. If you are not a parent or you don't have kids at home, you can still write a vision statement for your family. It's getting a clear picture of the future that you hope to see. 
Now, earlier I said I had some resources that can help you. Uh, you can go to our website, plumcreek.org slash family challenge, or just scan the QR code on the screen or in your bulletin. And you'll find a, a copy of that sample vision statement that I read earlier. And you could write a pretty good statement of your own based on that one example. However, I do have an advanced level to this challenge, if you're up for it. Last year, Northeast Christian Church over in Louisville, they developed a very useful tool. It's a guide that helps you clarify your family vision, and then it helps you develop a plan so you can move toward that vision. This tool, it's, it's just a PDF document. Uh, you can download it from that same page on our website, but I will tell you ahead of time, uh, it will take hours to complete the advanced level of this challenge. I'll tell you what, though, that time will be well spent because this job of parenting, it's crucial. It's urgent. And yes, it is a big responsibility, but we don't have to do this alone. We got other parents, other, other people in the church who can encourage us and support us. And then God will provide the wisdom and the strength that we need. And with that in mind, I want to close by seeking God and asking him to do amazing things in the lives of our children and our families. So let's pray. Father, we know that you are the only perfect parent, and we need your help every single day. I, I pray that you would encourage uh, those parents who are currently raising kids just give them the, the energy and the strength that they need to, to get through each day. I, I also pray for, for parents who uh, no longer have kids in the home, uh, that they would uh, have strong relationships there. I pray for those of us who have kids who are running away from you instead of running toward you. Lord, we, we can't make decisions for our children, and that is difficult. But we know that you can, you can do amazing things in their hearts, and we pray for that. We pray that each and every one of them would seek you. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word that you provide everything we need. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.